So Dan, what what do you what do you think you learned through this from speaking to our guests about suffering? Um, yeah, that, that's been, a theme. Yeah, I know it is. And that's been one of the hardest things. I think we started with Mark Farnham and I hadn't I hadn't really gotten into what he had gone through or put myself in his shoes. And we've got a, a friend in our church that got a very bad cancer diagnosis um, about the same time this is all hitting. And um, and then the way Ling talks about it, I I, th I think what I always, I thought about suffering is I, I, I guess it's real. I guess people have to go through it. Um, but, but God certainly will withhold those things from some of us who have work to do. But then what you realize is that that's the, the misperception there is that somehow what I'm doing here is that important or that somehow what I've got to offer God is more important than, than what he's doing. And what that means, therefore, is suffering is going to be my lot too. It's not, it's not anything I'm going to get out of. And that doesn't seem purposeful. I think that's the hardest, one of the hardest things for me. Yeah. If you really want me to be useful for the kingdom, give me more intelligence, give, make me a little quicker, you know, give me more health. But then I watch people who could do far more than I could. And God says, no, um, I, I've now that I've been thinking this way, I've been looking at all kinds of people that I don't know, but through relationships who have been taken way too young and suffered in ways that I can't imagine. And yet God is not, God is not helpless in that situation. It's also using them somehow, right? That, that suffering is somehow a way of uniting that person with Christ in, yeah. in, a, in a new way. And that means that's going to have to be my lot too. And I, yeah, and I, and I, I guess, I guess if, you, if I, I was thinking about this in one way that, and uh, I was doing a Sunday school and I was working through uh, first Peter and what Peter says, you know, don't be surprised when all kinds of suffering happen to you, but take joy. And I kept thinking the normal instinct is if when they're suffering or pain, that teaches you to go the other way. Yeah. You know, whenever, whenever I'm doing something, I feel if I'm, you know, if I'm fighting through a small space and I get picked, I, I push away from the pain. I avoid suffering. But what Peter seems to be saying and what our guests seem to be saying is that suffering is God's good work in your life. Yeah. And if God really is going to help you join to Christ and become part of his kingdom, suffering is the route by which that, that happens. Yeah. That's not something you get to avoid. Not optional. Yeah. It's not an option. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so then, and this is, this is, I think where I'm trying to come to suffering then is in fact, God's purpose for to one degree or another, however it comes to us for us. It's not that we become purposeless or useless when we suffer. It's actually, that's what God is calling us to. And I don't like that, Mark. I don't want to hear that message. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's interesting too, because I, I think one of the sort of, one of the classic sort of atheist apologetics against Christianity as well. It doesn't make any sense. You know, why would uh, a mother giving birth uh, die? Or why would a baby be born with cancer and then die a couple days later? I mean, how can God be a God of love? And we all know the argument. But I, I have to look at this from an eternal perspective yeah. for that to make sense. Right. Because, okay, in the kingdom of man, in a, in a temporal, those, those responses, but it only makes sense looking at it that God is up to something much bigger than we can perceive. Right. Uh, and, and I think Mark even really hit this well, saying that um, I became a lot, my wife and I, we grew in our relationship with God. We grew in a relationship with each other. He's like, and even afterwards, I, I think if you had asked me, do you want to go through this to get closer to Jesus? I might've said, I'm good. I mean, we're pretty close now and I'm good. Um, right. And so, yeah, it's, it's the, 
but the, the, line, the line that keeps coming back to me, Dan, and I want to ask you your thoughts on this, was, was Ling's line that we, we, we have su uh, mu suffering muscle atrophy. We don't have <laughs> suffering muscles. Right. Uh, um, what did you think about that? What did you? What I did, thought you, that was spot on. You know, I, I've often in history, and here, here we can put Dorian hats back on for a minute, how much of our, our views come from our own cultural experiences. So, you know, we've, we in the modern world have pushed death and suffering off out into homes and hospitals. And so we don't see it happen. We've got ways of avoiding most of it now. Um, so we haven't had to do it, but yet 99.99% of humanity historically, and even in the present have to deal with suffering every day. It's, I wonder who's more fully human. The people <laughs> that found a way to avoid suffering are the people that actually have learned to go through it. And since you brought that up, I'm guessing that there's something in, in what you heard there too, that you found helpful. Yeah, it, 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 one, it made me realize how much my, um, my environment plays a role in that. Yeah. But, you know, something that I, I, I want to tag on to this, uh, I, I don't know if you saw the news yesterday, but uh, it was reported that Tim Keller um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. You're kidding me. No, no. It, it came out yesterday. and did not know that. Uh, he posted it on his uh, blog. Um, it was posted in Christianity Today, and I think the Gospel Coalition had a, uh, an article as well. And it was really neat. I'm not going to read them all, but he, he, he asked for four specific prayer requests for he and his family through this. And the one that I thought was really has struck me and, and, and won't leave me alone, uh, he said, uh, pray that um, this makes me uh, wonder I am in love. Oh, no. What is it? Oh, he said, uh, pray that God uses this opportunity for Kathy and I to be weaned from the joys of this world and to desire God's presence above all. Hmm. Pray that God will use this opportunity to wean the joys of this world, us from the joys of this world and to desire God's presence above all. And, and I think I wonder sometimes in suffering, is that really what we're afraid of? Yeah. You know, that, that we so love enjoying the creation, and we should, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not, uh, we're not uh, saying we should all be self-flagellating, right. uh, but, um, but is that, do sometimes we're, we're more excited about enjoying the joys of the world than actually getting closer to the creator. Yeah. And the process it's going to take to get closer to the creator that that has really kind of um, dug its kind of its claws into me um, in, in in that idea what what do I fear in suffering and and obviously nobody wants to be in pain you know if you do there's usually something wrong but right. um, no I, th I think you I think you hit it I, that's really sad to me that really that's very sad. And I think the world will mis misunderstand that. You know, here's the man of God that God has, has failed. And really, that's not at all what's happening. Um, yeah. Because from God's perspective, and I've, I've been reading this, I've been reading through Matthew a lot, and just the emphasis on the kingdom, seeking the kingdom first and realizing how often I've sought this kingdom rather than Christ's kingdom. Mm -hmm. And really, really, it's the, it's the pearl in the field. The field is a wonderful thing. We do love it. But it's the pearl we'd give everything for. And I don't know that we would. I don't know that I would. I, it's going to happen to us, you and I somehow, whether quickly or slowly. I, no one's to tell now or later. We don't know. Yeah. But at some point, you know, whether the Holy Spirit can build in us the kind of faith that Keller's talking about, that he sees this for the purpose that it is, that, that God is going to unite us into his eternal kingdom. And 
you know, in one sense, and you said it a minute ago, I think, in one sense, anything else is, is foolishness. I mean, as much as, we're, as much as we're wedded to this world, it's foolish. Mm-hmm. Because everything we have here is going to go. There's no chance we're, we're not getting, we're, we're no chance we get off the ship alive. There's no chance that any of this is going to work. And what shocks me about the secularist, and maybe in my own heart, is I, I want to look at the whirlwind, and I want to figure it out. I want to get the logic right so that I can make this work. Yeah. I, can, I can figure out how to survive in it. I can figure out how to, how to flourish in it. I can figure out how to have a long life. I can figure out how to solve society's problems, but the world doesn't provide the logic to actually solve its own problems. And, that, and this, I go back to the Genesis creation story where you've got the chaos in the world. The world does not have the capacity to order itself, but then God speaks the word and the word brings order. And I think even now, since the fall has happened, the world is still alien from the world. The word and the world are still alien. And we as moderns have felt like we've almost figured the world went out. We've almost got it mapped. You know, we, we, we've got it. If we can just deflect the wind this way, that way. And I think what suffering teaches us ultimately, it, 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 it strips us of the idea that we're going to figure this out. No, no, you're not going to figure this out. And either the child dying of cancer or in a car accident or Tim Keller or whatever we call it is part of an eternal plan in which all of a sudden the world can make sense. There is morality and meaning and purpose. Or if that's not true, then nothing here makes sense anyway. Yeah. Nothing about well, suffering, nothing about life. And I think so the first thing for the, just, just to further clarify with, with uh, Mr. Pastor Keller is that, um, you know, it was caught early. Um, you know, oh, he doesn't have symptoms. Uh, he said, you know, he's a good Presbyterian. He said, you know, it, it's in, in theology terms, that's a providential catch. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, it's, hopefully it's very treatable, but I have to admit the, the first thing I thought was, God, you just took Ravi Zacharias from us as well, right? And so, right, in a certain way, it's like, we need these guys. Um, so I, I think the, the other thing, too, is I, I wonder, and go back to our suffering muscles, is I wonder, I, I do know this about uh, Tim Keller. Tim Keller actually uh, is a cancer survivor earlier. He had thyroid cancer a number of okay. years ago. Mm-hmm. And he's talked about it. And in fact, he's re- he wrote a book on suffering. Uh, that that's very helpful. We talked about it with our interview with Dr. Farnham, but I, I wonder, do you have to have a certain, do uh, uh, you go back to the muscles? Did that prior experience kind of give Tim Keller the suffering muscles to be able to make that statement? Right. Um, you know, he, uh, spiritually, he has a, a six pack and what I mean, yeah, that's right. the poor muscles. Right. Uh, But it took that experience in the same way that that someone like Mark Farnham has developed some spiritual suffering muscles that he can see things in ways that someone without it might not be able to. Right. Um, Yet I think in Mark's case, what's interesting is it's not as if when Mark uh, came down with cancer that he was immune or had never experienced suffering before. He's a, he's a, he's a kidney transplant survivor. But this was like, uh, the, yeah, I think he said this was worse than anything else I've went through before, right? right. So it was almost like, yeah, I, you know, I can bench 350, but man, when you put on a couple more barbells on there, all of a sudden this broke me. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I really do like that, that, that language of, of suffering muscles. I think there's yeah. something to that. It's a, it's a good image we can use. Yeah, and uh, I think it goes even further than that because to your point, well, not further, but I, to dive into it just a second, the, if it is a muscle, it can be strengthened. You know, and, and there's something we can do. And I, yeah. you know, 
I begin praying. I think I was talking to somebody saying, you know, it's, um, it's important to, st- oh no, I was reading this in, um, in Eric Little. It's important to start praying about how you'll die. I mean, it's not okay. like, you know, it's not like you can just, you look the other way until it happens. You have opportunities, you know, um, meditation, prayer, spending time in scripture. I, I was just spending last night with our friends who have cancer, the, the one, the one, my wife who has cancer and she's facing it right now. And, and we're talking to her, not, you know, she doesn't want to dwell on it. So we're trying not to, but you know, I, I, to be perfectly honest, I did not want to go over to the house. Mm. And um, because I, I don't like suffering, I, I have avoided it. And I think, yeah, what, you know, what Ling seems to say is you've got people around you. There's ways to, in, to engage this, pray through it, meditate through it, um, talk with friends about it, even in the church, so that we're not unprepared. I don't know, so you brought it up earlier, but I think George Flavel maybe was the guy that said it. The Puritans said, we, we, we are training to die well as Christians. Yeah. It's what, yeah. what defines us. But yet... I've been out of my vocabulary as an evangelical. I'm not a health and wealth gospeler necessarily, but I have to say, to one degree, I have been. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue the gospel because it, then I live right, eat right, have a good job, and 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 live till I'm 90 and die in my sleep. Well, you can um, even do a Christian diet. I mean, they have those. You know, yeah, right. Workout plans, or yeah, yeah, right, right. We and and that even move that moves us into sort of our socioeconomic class um, ge- geographic. Right. response to this. I mean, how much have we been catechized by the American city of man or the Western city? Right, right. And then and you have to kind of re-catechize yourself or be part of the community of faith and continually being in a process of catechesis right. uh, to, to keep reminding yourself of, of what these things are. Right. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, that, that came so clear that you, we're not going to avoid suffering. It's it's gonna happen, so you're better off preparing for it and thinking through it. Um, but before we move off the suffering piece, too, the one thing I wanted to ask you about is it, this came up: the concept of grief. Hmm. We talked a lot about grief and lament, hmm. um, and it, it seemed as if one we're not good at lamenting. Yeah. Right. We 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 don't have lament muscles either. Yeah. Um, and it seems like that comes from our lack of suffering. Um, but do, do you feel that in this you've learned anything about grief or are you grieving anything in the process of this? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I have actually been over the last couple of weeks grieving, grieving quite a bit. Um, but what's interesting about, about lament and grief is if you, if you take that seriously, what you end up focusing most on is your sin. I mean, to, you, you lament, I mean, what little I've done, but to lament these losses and these things when, I, when, I, when you stare into them, which is what you try not to do, right? You try to avoid looking into the face of, of death and suffering. But when you look into it even a little bit, you're immediately struck by your own sin. And I, I, there's almost been this, this, this relationship with me that the, that the harder I've looked into that fear that I have and, those, and, the, and the harm that's happened to people I know and increasingly people I, I don't know, like Tim Keller and Ravi Zacharias, the more I'm aware of just the weight of my own sin in this, that, that the, the lament is even, and, and the social suffering we're facing right now, we're lamenting the loss of the normal. But mm-hmm. when, you, when you even dig further into the normal, then you start to ask, what is the normal that I'm missing so much? Yeah. And, and, and you know, there's like even the racial issues, you can say, well, I want things to go back to normal. Really? But that's only because what you want is comfort. You, you're, not, you're not wanting the good. You yeah. just want things to go back the way you had them. And then that uncovers a whole nother piece to say, 
where's my heart really? My heart really is in the way I had it, the way I wanted it. And then that reveals a whole nother layer of sin in that I am not focused on the kingdom. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not wishing for, as Paul said, for you know, life is Christ to die is gain. I'm, I'm flipping that around. And, and, and that just, I, so I, I think you're right. I, I think this grief and lament thing, which is something that I'm just a total novice at. So if we're gonna talk about muscles, I got a, I got a beer belly um, that's in bad shape. And I, I don't mean that because I work at a Bible college and I drink a lot of beer. I'm just saying. Yeah, a I'm suffering, not, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I got a suffering gut. But, and and I, it needs work. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And so I'm, and so I, you know, I, I think, and, and I'll ask you this because, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're going through this in your own way is how have you found to strengthen the muscle? Where, where, where do you find the ability to lament and where do you find the opportunity to lament? Yeah. Yeah. I, I in some ways I, I have to admit uh, this process of these podcasts has been a place where I've been able to have space to lament hmm. and, and probably part of the, I think part of any good workout regimen is one realizing you need to do it and having the experts tell you how to do it. Uh, right. and so I think this has been a great way of, of thinking through that, like realizing, okay, I need to re uh, think how I, I address suffering, um, how I address grief. What am I really doing? Right. right? I, so I think it's uncovered a lot of sin. Yeah. Um, but I think too, just, allowing myself to be in a state of lament. Hmm. Um, not, what do you mean by that? Well, in the, in the, in the, I think that the, you, when you said about, uh, I, I lament cause I, or I grieve cause I want it to be back to normal. I think I agree with everything you say that, that it reveals more, but sometimes I think it's okay just to sit and be with the fact that, you know what? Things aren't right. right. People are hurting. And, and, and just instead of trying to talk it away, instead of yeah. entertain it away, uh, eat it away or, or whatever, to just be comfortable sitting and saying, wow, there are people that are hurting. And, and, and I think what we're in for, for sort of transparency's sake, this last issue, uh, last podcast, we're recording it on June 8th. Um, so we, there's a lot more going on in our society right now than just the pandemic. In fact, the right. pandemic isn't really even on the front page of the newspaper. Oh, no. <laughs> Shockingly. Uh, or, yeah. or my, or my, yeah, it, it has to do with um, the death of Mr. Floyd and, and police brutality and, 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 and race in our society. Um, and, and I think too, listening. I think there's a beauty in just listening to what other people are feeling and hearing and, and not trying to uh, be the good husband and fix the problem for somebody. I think right. that's one of the right. areas of lament. And I think that's what we've tried to create even in this is a space where we can sit and talk and process and listen together. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's healthy. I think it's a healthy place to be uh, that I don't have to solve it. Um, sometimes what people need is just for us to love each other and say, yeah. brother, I don't understand all the details, but I love you and I'm going to walk through this with you. Yeah. And I'm going to cry with you and I'm going to feel bad with you and whatever that takes. Um, and so that's, that's sort of what I meant by lament. Um, and, and the other thing too, Dan, I think for me is the genie's out of the bottle. You can't put the genie back in the bottle at this right. point, right? right. We, 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 we know something about viruses. We know something about, okay, uh, we're not immune uh, this doesn't just happen in, in, in other parts of the right. world. Um, 
And, and maybe we've been able to entertain ourselves or deceive ourselves for a while, but the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can't put it back in the bottle. Um, and I think that's the case even with, with some of the other social issues we're facing. Um, no, and that's true. And that, that's even, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, even when you face a loss like Ravi Zacharias. I mean, you know, you can't go back. I mean, we can't, we can't get him to address the next problem. We can't hear his wisdom on, on one more, on one more issue. And, you know, that, that really, and I think, I think what it comes down to, which is what you see, I think in the apostles, the disciples, what you see in, in the fathers, the founding fathers, that, you know, the patriarchs is faith and trust. And, you know, when, when God says, I want you to take your only son, Isaac and sacrifice him, you know, Abraham's not going to figure that one out. There's, there's no calculus. There's no, yeah. He's got to just trust that God is doing what he would do. And I, I think for, and you're right, I, I think I'm, I'm a traditional, traditional Western American, Western male. I want to, I'm, I'm, I want to get out and solve the problem. I want to fix it. Yeah. And um, there's a real point of faith in saying, it's not, this is not your responsibility. This is what I'm doing. Um, and I want you to trust me and, and, and walk through this. I, I'm, I was struck by, as I was reading Eric Little's biography um, over this break and just, you know, he died of an inoperable brain tumor while in a prison camp, while he was serving, you know, people in a Japanese internment camp. And, and of all the people that would have been useful for the last several months of that, God said no, and there's nothing anyone could have done about it. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and Eric Little, I don't think he even knew what was happening to him, would have understood and said, this is not about me. God has got something far greater. And you said it before, God's got something far greater going on. I'll, I'll go back to one quote from Mark Farnham in this that I've used a couple of times since. We're like calculators trying to download a Windows OS program. Yeah. You know, and, and what God's doing is, and, and that makes total sense because the world is too complicated. People are too complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, microbiology is too complicated. So obviously it all works because there's a mastermind and a master heart working this out for his greater glory and our greater good. And really the effort of, of mine, and I think when you say lament, what I'm thinking is partly lament goes, your point, stop trying to fix it. Yeah. And in, in lament, I think there's got to be trust, not, not jubilancy. It's not happy but it's trust nonetheless, that this is awful. I don't like it. This stinks. And I trust you, God, that what you're doing is, is bigger than all this. And yeah. Yeah. It's and been, it's been the, even the ability, uh, Dan, to, to be able to pray that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, you know, that God, I need, I need you to hear this. Right. Uh, I need, or, or there have been times where in this process with everything, the whole situation we're facing where, that passage where it talks about the Holy spirit, you know, groaning inwardly, you know, that, that, that I get that there's times when words just don't work. Right. Words just don't solve the problem. Um, but one of the, one of the areas I think where we, we come across too has been looking at how Christians globally respond to these issues. How much mm-hmm. that impacted you, Dan? learning that's a good question yeah i i loved having jen and pete on and i yeah and even esther in and ling i mean surprisingly if you look at we almost had half of them half of our guests interacting with other parts of the world than here yeah yeah and and there's um there's a shocking continuity to faithfulness there's a there's a shocking um homogeneity to the faith yeah. while there's at the same time an incredible diversity in how it's approached and 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 dealt with um and i i i was I mean, I was encouraged in a lot of ways because I think sometimes you think your faith is that, that little bubble. When you believe that what God is doing, he's working in so many people around the world in so many different ways, things that you can't even fathom. It really it builds your confidence that, that God is doing this, that God is doing it beyond us and above us. And um, so it did build confidence. I think at the same time, it, it alters you a bit because you realize the problem is far more profound 
trying to de- trying to grapple with what dump people look like. Yes. What fourth generation dump people look like. I mean, yeah. that just, uh, blew my mind, Mark. It, it also too, it, it, what I think, um, my, prior to coming to Pennsylvania, I, I, I worked at the Niebuhr Center for Faith in Action, read a lot of Reinhold Niebuhr and Richard Niebuhr. And, and of course, Reinhold talks a lot about Christian realism, but I, I think at some point in Niebuhr's life, uh, particularly living through World War I, World War II, the Holocaust, the Cold War, he discovered as a good Christian liberal, wait a minute, evil exists. <laughs> and, and evil's a real problem. <laughs> and, and, and had a realistic approach to it and realizes that, that you have so many compounding problems in the world. The idea that we're going to defeat poverty, we're going to defeat po- disease, we're going to defeat yeah. is, is really unrealistic. Um, it, it's just, and, and, and not in a doomsday way, it's just, it's a realism, right? It's, yeah. it's what Niebuhr called Christian realism. Um, and, and again, it's that two hopes, right? It's, it, you don't just, we don't just don't throw our hands up and say, there's nothing we can do, but realize that, um, we're not going to get the utopia that we want because what yeah. we really, our heart really craves is revelation 21 and 22. That's right. You're right. And although, and I think everybody deep down craves that, but they either don't want to say that, can't say that, or don't know how to articulate that. So they try to, or they, they want that, but they don't want the creator and all of his rules yeah, <laughs> to go right. along with life in that r- world. So they try to create it on their yeah. own. Yeah, right. And, and you do have to give up. You do have to let your grip go on this world. And um, you know, I, I think this is, the, this is the profound influence of idolatry and sin in our hearts is that idolatry is not about carving handmade goods. It's about finding gods who will give you what you want. It's about, it's about finding the God that will, if you give him what he wants, he'll give what you want so I can get what I want out of this world. And the shocking part about a relationship with Christ is he makes no such offer. He doesn't say, yeah, you know, you know give me just enough offerings, give me just enough goodness, and I'll make sure this works out well for you. That, there's no such back and forth between God and his people. It's you honor me and worship me, and I will glorify myself and do what's good for you. But that's, there's no quid pro quo there. And there isn't a way of of sort of getting out of God what you want. You know, you're not going to get Revelation 21 and 22 in the year 2021, speaking of 20s. It's going to have to happen, you know, in his time. And it means we're going to have to follow him through the cross. I, one thing I said to a, as a Sunday school class I was working with is that, you know, without the cross, this world doesn't make any sense because right. suffering is alien to everything we want. Yeah. But in the transfiguration, Jesus, in a sense, takes on, Tim Keller talks about this. Tim Keller, uh, Christ takes on the Moses figure and says, I'm going to lead my people out. But the leading them out is through the water. <laughs> the leading yeah. them out is through the cross. And all of a sudden, if that's true, suffering and death, which are absolutely inevitable yeah. for all of us, yeah. um, becomes purposeful, meaningful, and the way that God brings it into his kingdom, not an enemy to the goodness of our lives. And that, I mean, granted, I can't get my mind around that. But No, and, and the fact is that, that the God-man had to suffer yeah. to bring that about. Right. That, that, you know, so it's uh, someone, uh, I heard someone say, a lot of people, they're, they're fine with Jesus as, uh, as their savior uh, because they want the salvation. Right. But they're not really interested in Jesus as Lord because that means they have to follow him and where he went. That's right. And in this particular case, he went in to suffer. Right. Uh, and, and what's fascinating is, is that the, the Holy Spirit is so vivid 
in depicting and describing the way the God man experienced suffering. I mean, down to the sweat. Um, and it's like, we almost want to think, well, that was him. So I don't have to do that. (laughs) And, and so he, he went through that. So I didn't have to do that. But I, I think that I've learned a lot from listening to Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, uh, where suffering is an ever present reality. Um, and and I think too, Dan, I, I, one thing I came across to this is, and I think we're seeing this with everything that our world is experiencing right now, um, is that, uh, a pandemic or a crisis doesn't always create new problems. Rather, it brings to the surface problems that were there all along and we were able to ignore them, uh, or, you know, at least part of the people were able to ignore them. There were always some people that could never ignore them. Right. Uh, you know, the, the poor and people who don't have access to health care, uh, they always knew there was a problem with disease and, and that type of thing. Um, right. You know, the people in the dumps, they always, they always knew there was a problem with the food distribution. Right. Uh, so, but now all of a sudden, the, it, 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 it makes it more, uh, sometimes these problems become more middle class. And for yeah. lack of a better term, yeah. they, 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 they're just in your face. You can't avoid them. And yeah. we will probably, and my guess is if humans are uh, the way they've always been, they will try to do that. Right. <laughs> we'll try to, hopefully it'll pass and we can get back to normal. Right. Which, which really, if we're talking about this negotiation thing, yeah. that's just not, it shouldn't be an option for us. Yeah. I th- and I, you know, that's right. JL made that point that, that, this stuff has always been here and now it's brought to light. And the question is, what do you do now? And hopefully, you know, and I was talking to another friend who actually got COVID and survived it. It wasn't a good run, but he actually came out of it. And he said, what I'm afraid of is going back to life as normal and forgetting, right? Just forgetting what it's like to recalibrate your life like that. Forgetting the, the pressure in that moment to make sure that your relationship with Christ is right. Hmm. And once you go back to normal, it gets forgotten. And, um, you know, I think that's, that goes in with suffering because facing the true problems of the world means engaging that in a real way. It's not like yeah. putting it off and out of sight. You know, we, we actually have to look this stuff in the face. And I, I think that's one thing that Jesus was never afraid to do. I think his disciples, once they, once they saw him resurrected and followed him, they did the same. They went to the ugliest places of the Roman world and paid all of them, save John, paid horribly yeah. for what they, what they knew they had to do. Let me, let me turn this around on you, Mark, before, I, before we lose our time here. If you, if you could summarize, and I know this is an unfair thing, so the, there, there was actually a long gap after this question, and then Mark edited it out, so it sounds like it happened right after it. But g- give me, give me, your, give me the, the, the most important lesson you learned from all this. Hmm, most important lesson. I thought that's what we were talking about for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> and you got to boil it down <laughs> now. Um, I, I think the most important lesson is that uh, if I'm going to be a, a Christ follower, I, I have to expect suffering is coming my way. Yeah. And I, I can't avoid it. Yeah. Uh, it. It is going to come my way. And I'm going to have to seek closer relationship with Christ through the process. Yeah. Um, again, this is, it's so much easier to say this when I'm not really suffering. Right. Uh, I think it's, 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 a, it's a big piece, but I, I think that's been the, a clear piece for me is that, and it goes back almost back to the first week, you know, where Mark said, 
expect to suffer. Right. <laughs> um, so it's almost we're full circle. Um, but I, I'll turn the question on you now. That's good. Uh, that's, that's only what I deserve in this instance. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I'd say I'll have to agree with you. Um, that was an important lesson. And I think if I, if I can just tag on one extra piece is that I, I need to, I need to start growing that way now. And, um, I need to start praying. I need to start looking at others, people suffering, not as something to avoid, but how can I actually engage it? Because the other part of that, I think, which comes with this and what ties back into what we've been talking about in the COVID and the, mon and the, the contemporary issue now with the racial problems is that there are, if, if God hasn't called me into it just yet, he is calling other people into it. And this goes to your lament piece that I, I need to actually start engaging that in a real way. Um, what, what am I not doing by sitting with people that are suffering and listening to them? Um, and that's not just a selfish reason that I get to build up my lament muscles. Um, but I, but I also need to be a comfort to those that I can be, because at some point I'll need someone to be a comfort to me. Um, and so I, I need to start looking at that stuff in the face. And it's funny as historians, you know, it's not like we're unaware of this stuff. I tell, I tell students all the time, teaching a history class is basically just apologizing for death and misery because that's, no, <laughs> that's the yeah. number one theme across the narrative, but it's always, it's always distant. And I, I think I have to stop allowing it to be distant. Um, I think Joe Kim said that he said, why in the church don't we, allow a church service just to engage lament. Not this is going to be better, but this is really hard for people and we're just going to let it be hard today. We're not going to, and I, yeah. so I think that the two pronged would be, I agree with you. I think I'm, I'll agree. My, the big lesson is to expect it. There's no avoiding it. I'm 47, going to be 48 soon. And I've got fewer days ahead of me than behind me. Uh, most likely um, how many fewer, I don't know. Um, so I, that it's going to come. And now I actually need to start doing something about it rather than just waiting for it to happen. And um, and these conversations have been very helpful, the ones with you and our guests and, yeah. and also in the church and uh, even at LBC. So yeah. I think you bring up a great point, Dan. I think maybe our, uh, one of the dangers of our profession as historians is that we're able to create distance um, because we're, well, we're studying the past. That happened already. Uh, you can almost live in the past. Um, and you can try to, you always, we always wrestle with trying to create some level of objectivity whatever yeah, that may mean. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so it's almost a, uh, it's, it's a danger of the profession. Yeah. Uh, much easier to, uh, it's funny to me, it's much easier to be a, a sports radio talk show host and talk about the game after the game was over. Right. Than to be in the middle of it with five guys who are 350 pounds coming at you at lightning right. speed about to snap <laughs> your body in half. Like, Anyone can talk about it afterwards, right? But right, right. If, you can, if you can survive that and succeed, you, you go to the Hall of Fame. Right, uh, right. So I, I think that's, that's part of, uh, maybe there's, there's even maybe part of our personalities, right? That that's what yeah. we're trying to bring out of us. So what makes me, good me... historians might not make us good sufferers. Right. No, I think you're right. I'll, I'll go to the one thing that I, you know, we, everyone says about a history, history professor, is the Santayana quote, you know, that then those that don't study history are doomed to repeat it. I, the older, the more I do this, the less I think there's truth in that at all. I, I don't know that I'm trying to stop repeating anything. I think I'm trying to understand how humans have gone through this thing called life, how they have given themselves to it, how they found meaning in it, and how truthfully and honestly, if you want to find true purpose in this, it has to be found in Christ and Christ yeah. alone. Yeah. And I, I don't know there's anything about avoiding past problems. And I I've lost, I'm starting to lose hope in that just nationally and socially, but 
even individually. I, I'm not sure that's my point. So I think you're right. There's a tendency in historians to, to get into this field thinking we're going to learn to solve things and mm-hmm. figure out what wrong back then. And that's some people write, only... write history that way. What's that? Some people write history. Right. <laughs> they're not really trying to tell you what happened in the past. They're trying to tell you how to fix the present. That's right. They're using the past as a means of, of, of promoting their perspective. More, more often than not, is that the case? When, I, when we tell students, you look at a history text, you and I talk about historiography all the time. You look at a text and then they say, students, what did the author mean by this? And then they sort of, you know, sort of grouse around. They say, when did the author write this? What was the author going through at the moment, right? So the reason that, um, you know, um, as a Hofstetter, not Hofstetter, uh, writes, um, you know, the, um, I shouldn't have brought it up, I couldn't come right to mind, but, um, you know, the tradition in American history, tradition in American politics to be, um, to be, Par- uh, uh, oh, to paranoid. be paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, what, when is he writing now? Well, he's writing it right in the middle part of the 20th century, yes. right in reaction to World War II. Of course, you know, that's what he saw. So yes. that's right. And so the question to us is how are we as historians, right? Even as I am, I'm, I'm really trying to justify my own way of life and thinking by studying history that way. And yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's an error in there. It's, maybe it's just a, maybe it's an inborn weakness. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, it, it it when we when we pull it all around, and so maybe to kind of end it the way we started it, uh, it'll be very interesting uh, how historians a hundred years from now are going to write about this situation. Right, they're going to have perspectives that we can't get right now because right. we're in the middle of it. Right, uh, and so that's where I think maybe that's a good way to wrap up, where we didn't really have any answers. You know, if you came here right. looking for answers, you you meet the wrong guys. <laughs> Um, but on the other hand, there are some answers, right? The, the answers are God has equipped us with the, the, the cloud of witnesses. That's right. Historically, but also the saints around us and, and right. that we can listen to, we can lament with, we can cry with, we can grow with, uh, we can comfort, uh, and we can, you know, be the body of Christ at this moment, at this time. For some right. reason or another, God wants us here at this moment, at this time. So, right. Amen. Yeah. Well, I've I've really enjoyed it, Mark. I um, enjoy it. Not not quite the right word. It's been harder than I than I fathomed it would be. But yeah. but I'm I'm really grateful for it. I'm grateful for the way you've approached things. Very open. Very willing to ask questions. And I think it's been a good growing opportunity. I look forward to other conversations, maybe about other topics. But this has been very edifying. Yeah, we we need to move off of pandemics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need to broaden out our, our repertoire. There's other things we can talk about. <laughs> well. This is our wrap up and we're thanking for everyone who's been listening. Uh, we hope this, that these have been helpful to people. I know some people have gotten to gotten in touch with us and said it's been helpful to help them process as well. Uh, so hopefully this will continue to help us process. So. Amen. Thank all you right. all and thank you, Mark.